one, we talked about what's required to stay in love forever, and we asked the premise, you know, is it possible for two people to stay in love together forever? And we believe that it is. We believe that that's for each one of us. We believe and hope that that's, that's who we'll find, but we also learn that to do that, we have to make love a verb. We know that all that's required to fall in love is a pulse, but if you want to stay in love, you've got to have a plan. And then part two, we talked about how do we do that, and that was about mutual submission, about putting the other person first, of saying, no, you first, and no, you first, and, and understanding that role that it's not about domination, and it's not about uh, any of those things that maybe you've, you've learned or thought that it was, but it was basically just loving each other like Jesus Christ loved us, so he served us, and we learned to serve each other, and we do that well. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about feeling it. Uh, a lot of what we deal with is about emotions, and so we've got uh, our special guest, Mr. and Mrs. Mug, uh, this morning. You see, what's, what's weird to me is that two people can stand at an altar, stand in front of a judge, go through a marriage ceremony, pledge their undying love and affection to another, in fact, saying the words, till death do us part. And then you give it two or five or ten years, maybe a little bit later, maybe a little bit sooner. And pretty soon, 50% of the time, these two people hate each other more than they hate anybody else on the planet. So much so that they can't even talk about that person without anger or venom in their voice. They can't look at the person. They see them in the store. They feel like they've got to leave. They, they just have nothing but hurt and pain and anger about this person that at one time had said, you're the one for me. You're the love of my life. And that's kind of weird. But it happens quite a bit. And this leads us to that next problem that we deal with. When that anger comes and there's not a separation, another, another weird oxymoron, you know, of saying till death do us part, but really what that means is till problems do we part. Another thing that we see that comes from all this feelings is domestic violence. Two words that should never be together. Domestic, <laughs> living together in relationship, in community, in unity, and violence. Those two things should not be together, especially in Christian home. Now, I wish to say that that didn't happen, but we know that it does. But, you know, the reality is, why do we feel like hurting the ones that we love the most? I mean, there's lots of people, you know, there's drug dealers and child molesters and people that, I mean, if you want to hurt somebody, go out and hurt them. You didn't hear me say that, but you know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Isn't it funny that the person that we pledge to love the most, we hate them and we get so angry with them that domestic violence can happen, and yet why don't we have that same feeling towards strangers? Because we never had that emotional bond with them, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. I always wondered what it would be like to, uh, to have the I guess the relationship or the voice to speak to a couple that I knew was going to divorce and just ask them and say, you know, I have a question for you. Uh, I know you're, you're getting divorced, you're going through that process, but do you see yourself getting married again? 
Because I believe a bunch of them will say, yes, I have to take some time. I, I need to maybe uh, reevaluate some things, maybe get my life right or whatever. But, uh, and, but not right away, but yeah, I, I'm, I'll work some stuff out and I will get married again. And my question is, so you, you plan to find somebody else and start all over again. Wouldn't it be easier to just fall in love again with the person you're already with? Wouldn't it be cheaper? I mean, really, think about it. I mean, I think that as pastors, we're missing out. I think that if they get divorced, I think we should get part of the settlement too. I mean, we had part of the initial investment. Why does it all go to the lawyers? But something doesn't click in us. We think that if I just leave this person, I'll start all over and I'll have a different result. And, and maybe that's true, but a majority of the time it's not true. And if you're a divorced person this morning or a single person this morning, hey, I'm not poking you in the eye and I'm not saying that, uh, that you should be ashamed. Life happens and mistakes happen. We have the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You put it under the blood, he takes care of that, and you and him are good to go, all right? But just know that that doesn't mean that we don't keep making the same mistake over and over again if we're not careful because it's based on emotions instead of based on a commitment level. And so the reality is, why not just fall in love all over again? At one point, this was the person you said you loved more than anybody else. Wouldn't it be easier to just fall in love with that same person all over again? And it's not that simple. We know that it's not that simple. But that's why we're talking about it today, because it's not simple, and we need, to, we need to deal with this. When we know that even amongst believers, 50% of marriages end in divorce, then maybe we need to think through this a little bit different and think through it in a way that's not just all about our emotions, but is about what does God have to say about this? What does the Word have to say about this? And am I really going to make a difference? Am I going to be changed the next time I get married? And if not, what happens on the fifth one or the sixth one if you're brave enough to go that many times? Will it end the same? And maybe it's not even marriage, but you've just seen a revolving door in your life of relationships. If you're a younger person and you're in relationships and it just seems like all of a sudden, hey, it's so passionate and so hot and so wonderful, and then it only lasts for a little bit, and then something happens. And just, just so you know, this is programmed inside of us, and most of us don't even know what it's all about. So we're going to talk about it this morning. So we're going we're gonna to take our cue from God, and he says to love like he loves, which is a very different kind of love. And we have to understand that, you know, if we, if we don't get in touch with what God says that we're supposed to do and, and take it to heart, then we end up with the person that, that we thought we loved the most, but pretty soon, if we just decide, hey, we don't believe in divorce, pretty soon you just have a roommate, you just have a travel partner, you just have somebody that you're cohabitating with, but that love that God wants for us, that real, true, I'm going to be with you forever, and we're going to, it's going to be like the notebook at the end where we both just crawl into bed and die together on the same day. Oh. Now you know why guys don't like that movie. I mean, really? Because every woman is like, oh, how romantic. They, they spent their last minutes together dying. 
I'd rather watch Animal Kingdom. All right. So let's talk about Mr. and Mrs. Mug. You can fill in the names, whatever you want. I think it's pretty apparent who's who. And again, maybe this is a overgeneralization of uh, gender, but uh, we have the lovely Miss Mug and the handsome Mr. Mug. And they have a pretty normal story. They meet after high school, like so many, or maybe college. And like many people, what first attracted them to each other was their exterior, or, or at least parts of it. Uh, enough said about that. Um, and when they first met, they really started dating, and, and they were just so careful that, you know, they just were nice with each other. This is so nice. This is so wonderful. This is, this is what we had always hoped was going to happen. But then time goes by, and the longer that they spend with each other, they realize that he's trying desperately to win her heart, and she is trying desperately to win his affection, and, and pretty soon they decide it's time to get married. And about a month or so into the marriage, they begin to face some turmoil, some, some conflict, and, and some stuff begins to happen, and what used to be so nice and easy now becomes bumps. And some stuff comes out. And all of a sudden, that sweet romance is interrupted by these bumps in the road that we all feel. And that bump happens, and he looks at her, and she looks at him, and he says, whoa, where did all that come from? And she says, I didn't know you had anger issues. And he says, I didn't have anger issues until you bumped me. She goes, oh my gosh, there it is again. And then more problems come, and more problems come, and there's just this constant bump. And so what eventually happens is that after enough bumps, she goes and talks to her sister. And with tears in her eyes, she says, I never knew he was like that. And he goes, and wherever guys go, I fishing, the garage, just shaking their hair and head in the mirror, wherever guys go. But they're both confused that this isn't how it was supposed to be. And he's saying to himself, she makes me so mad. Whenever she brings that stuff up, I just, I just get angry. And if, and if she would just quit bumping me, then I wouldn't get so mad. You know, my wife, she has some serious issues. And so after that short period of party, they come back together, and, and he admits, he says, you know, when we were dating, I didn't see all this stuff. Where is this coming from? And she says, well, every time we get into an argument, you make me act that way. Sound familiar? You haven't learned anything yet, but at least it's been a little entertaining, right? Just. But here's the truth, church. You see, Mr. Mug thinks that because of the bumps and because of what his wife said, the blue beads keep coming out. But the, the truth is that the blue beads keep coming out because that's what's in there. 
And Mrs. Mugg is absolutely sure that because her husband has anger issues and talks to her like this and makes her frustrated that he's making the pink beads come out. But the truth is the pink beads come out because the pink beads are what's in there. You writing this down? It's deep stuff. All of us have stuff in there. All of us have stuff in there. And we don't know what's in there until we get bumped. (laughs) Until there's conflict. And most of us don't even understand what's in there and and how that bump is going to happen until we get into romantic relationship that we're committed to. Those bumps don't happen when you're dating because you're being so careful and so kind and, oh, isn't she pretty and, oh, he's so nice. And, And then real life happens and bumps happen and you realize that some stuff comes out and you go, whoa, where did that come from? And if we're not careful, we look at the other person as the cause of the stuff coming out. But they didn't put the stuff in there. And there's just something about romantic, committed relationships that bring out the best and the worst in us. And we don't know what's in us until that kind of relationship and some conflict comes along. This is why people who make those ultimate commitments to each other end up madder at that person than anybody else on the planet. (laughs) We don't know what we're capable of, and he keeps thinking that the blue beads come out because she keeps bumping him and getting on his nerves and saying or doing those things, but the truth is that the blue beads come out because they're already in there. And she's sure, no matter what her sister said, no matter what Oprah said, no matter what Google said, she is absolutely sure that if he would just start and stop and quit and begin and be a better husband, that the pink beads wouldn't come out of her. But it's already in there, and nothing brings it out more than real love relationships. So that's all fine and well, but here's the big question. Now, what do we do about it? We know there's stuff in us. We know that it comes out. And the answer is pretty simple, but it's the hardest thing that we're ever going to have to do. And so I'm going to ask you to look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the, the first part of 23. Now, this is written by Solomon, that God gave the most wisdom of anybody in the world. He's the wisest man that ever was up till Jesus. And look at what he says to us. Jesus says virtually the same thing in Matthew chapter 15, but we're not going to go there. We'll just take this easy section today. And look what it says. Guard your heart above all else. Think about that for just a minute. Guard your heart above all else. Now, guarding your heart doesn't mean to not allow your heart to be touched. That's not guarding your heart. What it really means is watch over it, monitor it, see what's going on. And we're horrible at that. We are horrible about knowing what's going on inside of us because we didn't know that the pink and the blue beads were in there to begin with until we got into a problem. 
You see, what we're really good at is if we had switched that phrase, if it said, monitor your partner's behavior, we'd say, got it. I know how to do that. I know how to monitor my partner's behavior because I know what they do, what they say, when they do, when they don't, what they should start, what they should stop. I can monitor their behavior. The hard part is looking on the inside to knowing what's going on in me. What's going on in my heart? Why, why am I feeling this way? Why, why do I do what I do? Instead, we look at the other person and say, the reason I'm acting this way is because of you. If you just shut up, I wouldn't be so angry. And if you'd talk more, I'd feel more satisfied. And if you'd this and start and stop, and, and it's all based on what the other person does, when really that's not the cause at all. That's why Proverbs says that you've got to guard your heart. And you can blame the other person, but believe me, when you get into the next relationship, blue and pink beads are still going to come out. If we don't learn this really basic but difficult lesson. This is why Proverbs says, guard your heart. And it says, above all else. That means this is the top priority. This is the thing you've got to get right. This is the thing that's going to be so important to you because if you don't do this, you're going to have some problems. We'll talk about that in just a minute. You see, you do need to do both, but they're both equal. See, I think we do need to monitor our partner's behavior. But at the same time, we need to monitor what's going on inside of us because one without the other, if we're only thinking about us, it's a pretty hard relationship because it becomes narcissistic. And if it's always about the other person, then we bear no responsibility for our own actions. It's always the other person that either controls us or hurts us, and we have to figure out how we do both. Both of these are equally important. We need to know what our partner is doing and how it makes us feel, but we need to know why we feel what we feel. And we're, we really have a hard time with that for whatever reason. We'd rather not do those things. And the reason I, I believe is, for me anyway, is that our relationship is connected to how we feel. And you want that person to make you feel like you once felt. Remember when you were first in love and you were just all smoochy-smoochy and nice and kind and you want to have those feelings again, but you want that person to give you those feelings. But that person's not responsible for giving you feelings. Your feelings come from your heart. They come from our, our past, unfortunately. And when you want them to start doing something or stop doing something, it's because you don't like the way that those things make you feel. I mean, initially we're drawn into our relationships by emotions. It goes that way. You, you fall into love, and we love the way it made us feel, but we have to understand that that's not a mature love. That's not an enduring love. That enduring love is about mutual submission. It's about understanding the other person. It's about guarding our hearts. And, and the reality, a, a deeper truth for us is that for every one of us, your ability to feel certain emotions or certain things is determined by the condition of your heart. Think about that for a minute. If you've really been hurt, 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 you have a hard time caring for another person. If you grew up in a home 
where you didn't feel very appreciated. There was no appreciation in your home. Nobody ever told you you did a good job. Nobody ever highlighted you. Nobody ever affirmed you. You're going to be desperate for somebody to give you affirmation, and you almost feel like it's that other person's responsibility to give you that. My question is, is it that responsibility to give you that? I mean, if so, then write it into the vows, right? But you don't know what's in there until the bumps start. And then all of a sudden you feel unappreciated again. And all those emotions come back. And, and it's not because of the person. The beads only came out because they were in there. Here's how Solomon finishes that verse, if we look at 23b. Notice what he says. For it, guarding your heart, determines the course of your life. Notice that. Why should we guard our heart? Not your job, not your marriage, not your spirituality. What determines the course of your life, according to the wisest man on the planet? Guarding your heart. Now, the New King James Version says, for out of it springs the wells of life. And what happens is if we're not careful, we harden our heart instead of guard our heart. I'm never going to let anybody treat me like that again. Or we don't realize it's about us, and we go to the next person and get hurt, and the next person and get hurt, and the next person and get hurt, always seeking something that we have to figure out what's inside of us, and the result is always the same. Every time we get to this point... I feel betrayed, I feel lonely, I feel whatever it is you're feeling. But that's, therein lies the problem. And you can usually see this, and, and husbands and wives, those of you who have been in long romantic relationships, you know this is true. You know when there's some blue or pink bead in there because what happens is, let's say you, you did something, uh, maybe not totally wrong, but your, your action was like a four, you messed up. You forgot to pick up the kids from daycare. Okay? And again, they've only been there for an extra five minutes. But your partner's response is a 10. Okay? Your response was a, was a 4. Their response was DEFCON 8, right? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. You are such a horrible, lousy it was a mistake. I thought you were picking them. No, you don't understand. You just are so irresponsible. You are, and they're just over the top. And all of a sudden, you know why? Pink beads. It's not your action. It's the pink beads coming out. Because, how do we know? Because if it had been them, they would want patience. And they would be very upset if you gave them a 10 response. And said, so you are such a horrible wife. I can't believe you're, a, you're a, a, a lousy mother. They would be truly hurt. Isn't that amazing? But what happens is we have to know what is inside of us. So how are we going to do this? How do we pay attention? How do we monitor our heart? I'm, I'm not going to just leave that. It's not some deep spiritual thing. It's a, it's a step process. First of all, we have to figure out what we're actually feeling. Now, here's the step. And again, guys are a little bit better at this, so girls, this is a little bit for you in the beginning. 
You need to figure out what you're feeling before you speak. That's the important part. Before you speak. Most women's problem is they say that guys don't talk enough. Guys, we're going to talk about you in just a minute. But ladies, we know, even certain studies that aren't, they aren't skewed and it's not negative, you have three times the vocabulary that guys have. So you have to know what you're feeling before you speak. Okay? Because many of us have learned to blame others before we know why we feel that way. Many of us have wanted to just not talk about what happened before we do anything. And guys, you need to get a bigger vocabulary. For most guys, when they get asked how they're feeling, I'm mad. Really? That's it? Okay, I'm frustrated. I mean, we've got to have more than two emotions. I mean, come on. But the problem is we don't always know how to quantify that. And so when conflict happens and you talk to a guy, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. Well, but why? So guys, I want to give you a little bit more vocabulary. Maybe what you're really feeling is unappreciated. Maybe you're feeling unloved. Maybe you're feeling betrayed. Maybe you're feeling jealous. The reason you get so mad when she talks about her brother and how good he's doing in his business and is that you don't feel like you measure up to her brother. And, and you're not mad. You don't hate her brother, but you're jealous. And maybe you're wondering why your wife always gets so upset when you invite your sister over. It's not because she hates your sister, but she doesn't feel as pretty as her, and she doesn't have those type of clothes, and she feels unloved and unappreciated when your sister comes over. She didn't hate your sister, but she can't express how she feels. She just gets mad. Every time she comes over, blah, blah, and starts. <laughs> and we don't, even, we don't even know why we're feeling that way, but it comes out, and those blue beads come out, and you're thinking... I guess we just shouldn't have any family over ever. <laughs> but that's not the real response. How do we identify this? Maybe you feel like a failure. Maybe you feel stupid. Maybe you feel scared. Maybe you feel out of control. Maybe you feel disrespected. You've got to be able to figure out what is the root cause so that you can begin to monitor your heart the right way. And until we identify what we're feeling, there's no way to fix it. You see, when you can finally identify that bead, you, you pull it out and you say, okay, I'm just feeling really insecure. And you say it to yourself. Don't, you don't need to get on Twitter or social media and you don't have to make a broadcast, but you, for the first time maybe, you need to say to yourself, you know, the reason I feel that way is it's really, it's not anger. It's insecurity. And you own it. Now listen, there's no bad feelings. There's just feelings. Got that? There's no bad feelings. There's just feelings. But until you own it, as long as it remains in the dark, it will have power over you and control you. And the enemy will use it to twist you and ruin the vital, loving relationships that you were designed by God to have. If it's only because you don't know anything beyond anger or frustration, 
because you refuse to look inside and monitor your own heart. Now that you've ID'd that thing and you've been able to own that thing, then we realize that there's a power at work. And we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 4.22 here real quick. Look at what this says. Everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought into the light. Why is this so important? Because God and Jesus, God, Jesus, know that whatever is inside of you that can't be dealt with, that you refuse to deal with, the enemy will use it against you. So bring it into the light. Bring it out. It's not for your embarrassment. It's not to make you weak. It's to make you strong because the more stuff, the more of those pink or blue beads that you keep in the dark, they will be used against you and it will ruin you. It'll ruin your emotions. It'll ruin your relationships. You need to bring it out into the light. And it's, this is not just about sin. Now, hidden sin is a horrible thing that will eat you alive. But our emotions are just as strong and powerful. And again, there's no bad feelings. There's just feelings. But you've got to bring it out. And you've got to own it. And be able to say, hey, the reason I feel angry is I'm insecure and I don't know how to deal with it. I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. Now here is the second part of that. You've, you've looked inside your heart. You've figured out it's not anger. It's whatever that thing is. You're, you're owning it to yourself. Now here's the hardest part, okay? They go together. One, the first part is a little bit, a little bit scary and the second part is extremely hard. I'm just telling you up front. Once you own it and you've identified it, you go to your partner and say, I think the reason I've been feeling this is I'm insecure. Okay? No pointing the finger. You just come and you say, hey, I think the reason I'm, I've been, we've been having this conflict is I've been feeling insecure. Now, that's, that's difficult for many of us to actually admit what's been happening on the inside of us. But the second part is the hardest part of all. When your partner has the courage to come and tell you this, your job is to say, thank you for telling me, and then shut up. Thank you for telling me. See, that's the hardest part. Because sometimes our spouse actually has the guts to look inside and figure it out. And you know what we say? You shouldn't be feeling that way. Well, it's not my fault you feel that way. You just need to grow up. But you see what happens when we do that? Dear Mrs. Mug. I think I've been feeling insecure. Not my problem, just deal with it. <laughs> Sounds like a you problem. Now, you know what you've just done? You've told that person, it's not safe for me to monitor my heart. And then guess what's going to happen? 
stuff's going to come out. You can't tell somebody how they should or shouldn't feel. And you also don't couch it in some spirituality and say, I'm sorry you feel that way. Don't be sorry about how they feel. It's not wrong for them to feel that way. You just say, I'm so glad you told me. And then zip it. That lets them know, wow, we didn't get into an argument. I didn't get ridiculed. Now think about that. Honey, I'm, I'm feeling insecure. Well, that's because you're an immature jerk. Gee, I wonder why I feel insecure. We have to learn to zip it. So here's what we're going to do this week. Close your Bible. I'm going to ask you to start actually paying attention to your heart. Now, it's going to be strange for some of you. So I know some of you, you grew up in houses where you weren't allowed to express your emotions. You grew up in a good Finnish, Norwegian, German wherever you grew up in, and emotions were a sign of weakness, and you just learn how to be stoic. doesn't matter what happens. We just suffer through it, and we suffer in silence. No whining here. I'm not asking you to whine. I'm asking you to pay attention to your heart. And for those of you that are in touch with your emotions, don't make it hard on the people that are learning how to do that. You have to learn how to zip it and provide a safe place for them to tell you if you really want a marriage that will last. So you're going to identify it, especially us guys. We always are worried about how we feel, and I believe guys have just as much emotions as men. Some people say, oh, men just aren't emotional. I believe we have just as much emotions as females, but the problem is we don't know what to do with them. We're bad at identifying them, and if we can learn to identify, we can begin to learn about us and break down some of that mess that begins to happen. So how do we do this? Look inside. Before you speak, once you get into that conflict, before you speak, let's determine what we're really feeling. What are we really arguing about? If we're not careful, we start arguing about words. <laughs> we start arguing about stuff. Instead of an emotion came out of me, blue beads came out of me. But I, now that I know that blue beads come out of me because it's in there, it wasn't anything you did. They came out just because a bump happened. And you now know that pink beads come out of you because pink beads are in there. Now we identify those, and we own it to ourselves. Not saying that we're horrible, bad human beings. We just own it. I have a lot of jealousy for whatever reason. I have a lot of insecurity. I am feeling, and you just own that. And then when you know the time is right, when you feel like you've processed that, then you go to your partner that you love, that you expect a right relationship with, and you, you know that you can tell them because they're a healthy, mature person. And when you tell them, they're going to say, I'm so glad you told me that. That's what healthy, mature people do. They don't say that other stuff we already talked about. Now listen, if you take the, that incredible risk of telling your partner how you feel, 
and they respond poorly, and they aren't a mature, loving, kind human being yet, and they say something stupid and they dump their beads on you, don't back up and don't go back to, well, it's the last time doing that. You still need to keep monitoring your heart. That's not an excuse to start and say, that's not going to work. You still need to identify those things. It makes you better for you, regardless of what the other person does. But we're going to have to learn what's inside of us, because I'll tell you, the reason that almost all these marriage problems are happening is the beads that we didn't know were in there come out and the other person didn't know they were in there and they don't know how to deal with it and we say, where is this coming from? I, I don't get it. And it destroys what God wanted to be an incredible, long-lasting, romantic relationship forever. And that's not what he wants for you. He wants something that lasts the test of time. He wants a relationship that we can talk to each other and we can actually feel what we feel and not be ridiculed for that. But that's a hard, scary place to be. So I want to pray for you this morning.